Hey guys, welcome to episode number 14 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple podcast by BSL Nutrition. I am Ben Brown, your host, co-founder and CEO of BSL Nutrition, where we make smart nutrition simple so that you can fuel your best with less, less time, less money, less stress, less effort and uh, live a healthier lifestyle. Today, we had the privilege of uh, getting online with Kara Butel. Kara and I went to University of Bridgeport uh, for a master's degree in clinical nutrition. So she's my colleague in the realm of uh, nutrition. And um, we graduated a couple years ago. She has a two-year-old, just about the exact same age as my little guy. And uh, so it's been fun uh, connecting, reconnecting with her after we graduated, seeing what she's up to. Kara is a nutrition coach with, as I said, a master's degree in nutrition from the University of Bridgeport. She has been coaching weight loss clients at One by One Nutrition. Uh, One by One Nutrition is Georgie Fear's business, who I interviewed a few weeks ago. So she's a coach with Georgie, who's a phenomenal nutrition weight loss coach. She's been doing that since 2014 and writes her own blog geared toward nutrition for families at RaisingNutrition.com. Raising Nutrition exists to help you teach your kids and yourself how to be healthy and happy eaters. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this conversation that we had revolving around habit-based nutrition, nutritional skills, deprogramming, diet dogma, if you will, and uh, kind of getting rid of the whole diet aspect uh, of nutrition and really focusing more on a skills and habit-based approach to, nutri- to nutrition. And uniquely for Kara is taking that paradigm and transitioning it into working with parents and helping parents improve their kids' nutrition. So I think this is something that we can all appreciate. I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you like this podcast, do me a favor. Subscribe, like it, share it, and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, I appreciate you as always, and I will catch you on the other side. All right, Kara, thank you so much for joining us on the BSL Nutrition Podcast. Uh, So first question for you, Kara, what does it mean for you, for children and adults to be a healthy and happy eater? Well, first of all, thank you for even having me on the podcast. Um, I'm I'm stoked to be talking to you. Um, So what does it mean to be a healthy and happy eater? I think for me and for how I approach my coaching, it's really about the bigger picture, you know? So it's actually in a way different from how maybe other people do it, where they focus on the minutia of the nutrients or the macros. I actually kind of take more of a bird's eye view approach um, to the whole foods that we're eating, how our overall eating pattern looks. And then the biggest piece of it for me to kind of tie in, I guess the happiness aspect is your whole mindset when it comes to eating because people have a whole lot of emotions wrapped up in how they eat and why they eat and what they choose to do with eating and you know so i think a lot of people are really just looking for peace with food you know they don't really want to overthink it as much as a lot of us do and so that to me is like being able to eat well without driving yourself nutty doing it, (laughs) I think is really kind of the overarching uh, philosophy, for lack of a better word. I think it's a great philosophy, and I think we we stress ourselves out far too much in relation to nutrition and certainly exercise and uh, kind of that whole paradigm. Let's take a step back for a second and kind of 
fill me in on your journey and how it is that you got into nutrition coaching? That's a loaded question. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> how much time do you have? Um, so I came into this as a complete career change. Um, I've always been interested in science. My undergrad was in chemistry uh, with a concentration of forensics. So I came from kind of that Field. Um, after my undergrad, I got a master's in criminal justice and I worked at the FBI for five years, um, doing obviously nothing at all related to nutrition uh, in the slightest. <laughs> so when I decided that I wanted to get out of doing that, I said, okay, well, I want to get back into doing science again. Where can I kind of go with that? And I had been getting into fitness and nutrition on my own personal journey of, you know, trying to do what I wanted to do for my own health and happiness. So I said, okay, well, you know, I can either kind of go the, the training route or the nutrition route. And I thought that, you know, the, the science of the nutrition stuff was a little bit more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go back and get my master's in nutrition. And that's kind of how I got here. Um, that's the abridged version as abridged as I can make it. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where our paths aligned. Yes. For everyone listening. So we both have, uh, we both were at University of Bridgeport studying for our degree in clinical nutrition. And um, even though it's an online program, we had the opportunity to collaborate on a couple things. And, uh, and so both here we are with advanced degrees in nutrition. Um, and, and I love the fact that you're a little more evidence-based, but I wanna step back again and talk about what were potentially some of the struggles that you encountered that led you down? Because usually people experience multiple views of nutrition, whether it's they, they frequently diet throughout their life and then all of a sudden get to the point where they're like, aha, I realize I need to take a more holistic approach or more evidence-based approach and move away from the fad diets. What particularly was it that led you down this road? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think if I'm going back as far as I can kind of trace my interest, I would say that uh, my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he was a former personal trainer. And so he was all buff and manly and fit and fantastic. And uh, I kind of felt like I maybe didn't quite measure up. I was like, okay, he's the fit one in this relationship. Like maybe, maybe I could up my game a little bit here. And so, um, so I remember it was New Year's into 2008. And I picked up the New Rules of Lifting for Women book by Lou Schuler, and um, started actually going to the gym and doing legitimate exercises, not, you know, like um, the weird classes that my mom took me to when I was 10. <laughs> it was like the 80s people in the leotards and the leggings. And, and so, yeah, so I kind of got into it from there. And that's where the nutrition interest started to come out. And I did, I think what a lot of people do, and I, I really overthought it at first. I did all of the calorie counting, the macro tracking, the everything went into, um, I think I used FitDay. I don't think I used my fitness pal, but everything was tracked. Um, and, you know, so I, I went down that road um, for quite a while. But then I decided that that was way too much work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I moved from that into a little bit more of like a, a relaxed approach. And then I went to a naturopath at one point who uh, told me, you know, tested me for all sorts of random things because I was having some GI stuff mm -hmm. and uh, told me that I couldn't eat gluten or dairy or soy or eggs. And I went, oh, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, what yeah. the hell else is yeah. there? 
<laughs> so, um, so I, I did the best that I could. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm purposely saying screw you on the eggs because I will eat those every day forever. Um, but I'll try with the, the gluten and the dairy things. So I did that for about a year and a half. Um, and I essentially went full-blown paleo because it was just easy to Google paleo recipes and have it be something I could eat. And, you know, so I kind of, you know, fell down the, the paleo rabbit hole a little bit and again, started overthinking everything and uh, eventually realized, you said, you know what, all of this effort, again, to avoid gluten at every turn, do I actually feel any better avoiding these things? And I didn't. So uh, I, again, kind of took a step back and said, all right, you know, how, how do I actually feel? And, you know, I introduced some of the things back in and it turns out I was fine. So there was no correlation. So I had, I had kind of driven myself crazy for a year and a half for no real reason. And, um, and that was around the time that I started to get into, you know, going back to school and learning about all of these things. And um, so, yeah, very long story again. No, that's, I, that's the thing is I, I find that we all head down a similar path and, and it's oftentimes, you know, what we need to do for ourselves that sheds light on whether it's works for us or it doesn't or both, you know, to some degree that helps us become, it form our nutritional philosophy and then helps us determine how we can better help other people that align with our values. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so you've taken a diet deprogramming approach. We were talking earlier mm -hmm. about your emphasis on the aspect of, of undoing this whole mentality around diets and fad diets. Could you talk about that a little bit deeper? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, now that I do, you know, actual coaching and I'm working with, you know, real people, you know, clients, yay. Um, you know, and I, so I see people coming from all walks of life in terms of, dieting and and where they've been in their own journeys um and it's just it's so interesting to see how many people have done so many different diets before they get to us and uh it's interesting because we have a lot that i i don't know if um you know your, your viewers really know much about where i work who i work for i work with georgie fear at a one by one nutrition and we use a like a skills and a habit-based Right. Um, approach to things. And so and I'll just jump in real quick and, yeah. um, and preface for everyone listening that we had Georgie on a few weeks ago, we talked about habit based nutrition and, and the importance of habit based nutrition, but I, I certainly want you to, to get into that as well. So, so by all means, please elaborate. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so we don't really do strict rules, macros, you know, you can eat this, you can't eat this, this is good, this is bad. We actually try really hard to steer away from that uh, mindset. But so many of our clients come in, come to us and since they've done so many other diets in the past where XYZ was bad and you had to avoid this and this is toxic and this is, you know, all of these rules, they start to try to turn the habits and the skills into rules too. And it's interesting how, how that happens. So it, it's, it started to jump, to kind of jump out to me that, you know, we could almost, I mean, it's almost like a like computer wiring, right? And so it's like, okay, well, if we can almost undo some of this wiring, you know, this like faulty patterning that's in there, you know, to say like, look, it, things aren't necessarily toxic or bad or horrendous for you. Like it's all just food, you know, in rings are messy. Nothing is ever perfect. So um, so going through and just using skills that you learn so that you can actually go about your real life without some kind of arbitrary list of yes, no, do, don't, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I feel like it's a much more long-term approach for a lot of people, but a lot of people don't 
see it at first because they're so used to like the black and white lists of good, bad, yes, no, do, don't. Absolutely. So in introducing skills with your clients, what are a couple, three of the most prominent or most profound skills that you introduce that that have sort of the, that are the biggest needle movers, I suppose you could say for your clients? We have a few kind of foundational skills that, that we work on. One of the ones, I don't want to say first because we don't, you know, have everybody go through the same you know, order of things. But one of the kind of primary things that we work with people on is working to kind of group their eating into three or four actual meals throughout the day versus grazing all day, snacking all day. Um, you know, so, so that's really one of the kind of fundamental ones because a lot of us eat mindlessly, you yeah. know, between meals without thinking about it. And so inserting that little pause between it, like, oh, do, do I actually need this, this thing? Oh, no, I'm not actually hungry. Okay, well, maybe I can go do something else or I can, you know. Um, so eliminating kind of the mindless snacking and grouping our eating into three to four times in a day uh, is one of the kind of foundational things that, that uh, we work on with a lot of our clients. And then from there, it's really tuning into their bodies. You know, a lot of people, especially ones who like me kind of came from a background of counting and tracking everything and letting the math guide them, helping them to relearn how to listen to their own bodies. And when they're actually feeling hunger, when they're actually feeling, you know, satisfaction or being, you know, actually satisfied from a meal, you know, and, and relearning how to listen and use those as a guide. That's another really, really big one um, yes. that we spend a couple different skills working on as in kind of that, that overarching umbrella <laughs> of a concept. Absolutely. There's so much wisdom to what you're saying that I, I really want people to resonate with in terms of it's all about creating more awareness yeah. for you, for your body, and using these habits and skills to help facilitate that awareness in and in, in deprogramming, right? Deprogramming the concept of, of portion sizes and timing and amounts and, and the strategic nature of the diets and, and right. just winding it back up and saying, how do I feel with this? How do I feel between meals? You know, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I bored? What's going on? Is it just an emotional reaction? All of that kind of stuff. So I love that. I love that stuff so much. And I think that it really is um, revolutionary. It's, it's crazy to say that but it really is like something that we we have to instill to help people improve their nutrition habits and lose weight feel better get healthier long term and it's not just that it's imparting that wisdom and creating an example for our children and you have um you've uh, you have the website raisingnutrition.com yep. and so talk to me about how you've expanded your coaching um, into working with parents and helping children improve their nutrition. What, what's that looking like? It's, um, I'm still kind of in the process of going that direction. Um, I've been working with Georgie for ooh, over three years now, I think. Um, and so Raising Nutrition is my blog that I kind of started on the side. And it's kind of grown and evolved a little bit, even though it's only a year old, so it's, it hasn't been around all that long yet. Um, but, you know, like I said, after seeing, you know, these clients and the, the, you know, dieting mindsets that a lot of them are coming to us with, I said, wouldn't it be awesome if, you know, we were able to raise our kids to kind of have this, you know, non-stressful approach to food from the get-go, you know, like, so that we don't have to kind of relearn how to do it. Like they already know, like it's kind of an innate, like this is how to kind of eat well and balanced and without, you know, 
attaching emotion to it and all of that. So I said, you know, prevention's the name of the game, right? Like prevent, you know, preventative medicine and food, I feel like is very much tied to that. So I said, okay, well, so I started gearing some of my blog posts and my writing towards, you know, healthy pregnancy and feeding kids and um, while also kind of tackling the the mindset stuff that we're bringing to the table already as parents. Um, so it's, it's a work in progress, but I'm actually, I'm working on a course, which we were talking about, I think before uh, we hit record, but um, you know, I, I still haven't settled on a name for it. It was originally diet deprogramming, but that name is taken by somebody else. So um, right now I'm thinking maybe diet mindset makeover. Yeah. I don't know if that's either too cheesy or if it's great, but either way, that's what I might go with. Um, but it is exactly, you know, what we were kind of talking about. It's revamping that, that mentality so we can kind of get our heads on straight and come back to that kind of intuitive eating um, approach that we were kind of born with until yeah. it got muddled up along the way so that we can help our kids um, to grow into it in this kind of intuitive approach so that they're not you know, in that kind of diet mindset when they get older too. So what should a child's nutrition look like? What, I mean, what are kind of the, the, the fundamentals of, uh, of a children's, uh, you know, if a child's nutrition, is it any different than an adult's nutrition? And, and as parents, how do we support that? It's so hard, right? Because, you know, as, as parents, we just, we're all just trying our best. <laughs> and these kids give us a run for our money at every turn. And so there's no, there's no like set answer, right? Like there's no, there's no perfect way to raise your kid to be this like perfect eater because perfect eating doesn't exist. We can just kind of foster the right mentality and approach and, you know, since we're the ones cooking, we're the ones providing the food, like we do obviously call some shots, um, but we have to kind of foster their independence and their choice making in an age appropriate manner as well. Um, so just a lot of it, the name of the game for the most part is, is encouraging variety and providing a healthy variety of foods and then helping them navigate that. Um, and, you know, some people will, you know, say, you know, oh, I, I never allow my kid to eat sugar ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like sometimes that's maybe not the best approach because then, you know, they get to a party and all of a sudden there's cake and they just Go like they nice. face plant into it because they're like, this is the most amazing thing, <laughs> you know. So um, just finding that balanced approach and helping them, you know, decide different things as they grow older and they learn more and, and all of that. So it's, there is no perfect answer. Yeah. It's, it's just helping and guiding really. It, it's kind of a catch 22, isn't it? Because you want your child to be as healthy as possible and you want them to make the best nutrition decisions. But at the same time, you don't want to create, you know, this emotional issue around food and fear. And we have, you know, we have multiple friends that are uber paleo and mm -hmm. like only have organic and gluten-free and no dairy in the house and super strict at home. And then we hear all these stories about the kid goes out and they are the they just go nuts. They go to a friend's house and they're just notorious for like just going crazy. And that's certainly not the mentality that we want to instill in our children. And at the same time as, you know, we're trying to establish our own emotional security around food and all that stuff. So sometimes it's just the best to, to lead by example and, and, uh, 
and, and then from the beginning, and you can tell me what you think is just, uh, it's just have them eat real food, you know, mm -hmm. from the very beginning and doesn't have to be necessarily gluten dairy free, but right. just teach them how to make healthy food choices. Yeah, absolutely. And, and offering that variety and offering it several times. I mean, there, there's been studies about how, you know, I think it takes, I think like between 10 and 12 exposures to a food for a kid to actually have, you know, be able to decide if they even like it or not, or to do, acquire a taste for it. So, you know, so often I think, you know, we try, you know, oh, here, try these, you know, black beans or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, once or twice. And the kid's like, ah, <laughs> right. and so we stop trying after three tries. Cause we're like, oh, well, third time's a charm. Guess not. Okay. Well, I guess we'll stop and we'll go back to chicken nuggets or whatever it is that, you know, that is, you know, something that they know the kid will eat, but keep that exposure going. And eventually they start to develop a taste for it. So it might take them 10 tries, 12 tries, 25 tries, but keep offering, you know, it's okay if they don't eat it. They keep offering. What are some of the frequent issues, uh, problems, for lack of a better term, that that parents fall into with their kids' nutrition? What do you see frequently that that can inhibit uh, a child's, you know, nutritional diversity, if you will, or or their their palate, or something like that? I would hesitate to say anybody's doing anything wrong because you know we're all ever just doing the best that we can. Um, and like I said, kids as fabulous as they are, they can be a challenge. And so um, I think one of the things that, that we all fall into to a point is giving in a little bit to picky eating. Um, it's one of kind of like the most common concerns that parents have, you know, my kid won't eat any vegetable or my kid won't eat anything but chicken nuggets or, you know, something like that. And so if you're met at every meal with resistance to what you serve, eventually you're going to be like, all right, screw it. Just yeah. have your chicken nuggets. Like, right. you know, pick your battles. And absolutely we need to eventually just pick our battles. Like we have to have some sanity in the house too. Right. But, you know, again, encouraging the variety, maybe offering chicken done a couple of different ways to see if they'll take chicken other than chicken nuggets. Sure. Um, you know, encourage, you know, always offering that vegetable as a side, if it's one bite, two bites, put it on the plate. If they eat it fine, if not, okay. You know, but you know, to say, oh, okay, you're not going to eat this. I'll make a separate meal for you of chicken nuggets. I think that it, it, not that it creates problems. It just makes, I think things a little bit more difficult down the road. Cause then you've got this expectation of, oh, well, if I don't eat it, I know I've got chicken nuggets coming. So right. to kind of set that expectation of, you know, that precedent. And so I think it's tough because we just want to keep the peace. And yeah. so there's that balance between keeping the peace in the short term and then the long term, you know, again, bird's eye view of like, okay, do I want to always be serving chicken nuggets <laughs> forever and ever? <laughs> yeah. it, and, you know, it, it is keeping the peace and it's a, you know, get home after a long day and you're exhausted. And the last thing you want to do is just battle with right. your kids about eating their vegetables and understanding, you know, something I've realized because I have three kids and, and they're seven, five, and two, but it's certainly adopting those food choices early or, or introducing those food choices early. And, you know, we have pretty good vegetable eaters and our kids eat almost everything and nice. a, a decently healthy diet, but understanding the difference between the kids and they have very different palates. So, one, you know, one of my daughters likes um, 
likes broccoli, the other one, you know, and, but she can't stand cucumbers and vice versa. Yeah. Right? And just kind of respecting that and, and figuring out, okay, well, the battle may be which vegetable are you going to choose? Yeah. Is no vegetable at all, or just as an example. Absolutely. Because, um, I mean, us as adults, we've got our own preferences too, right? Yes. Like, like I won't go near a lima bean ever. Like, <laughs> don't even, don't put them in front of me. It's not going to happen, you know? And, and other people are the same way with broccoli or carrots or, or whatever. And so trying to, you know, again, respect, you, you use the word respect, and I think it's, it's a perfect word to use, kind of, you know, respecting people's individuality while also, you know, again, as the parent guiding them and saying, you know, look, I know that maybe broccoli is not your favorite. Tonight we're having zucchini. We'll have broccoli again tomorrow or, you know, whatever it is, you know, because Susie's favorite is zucchini. So we're having Susie's favorite today and we'll have your favorite tomorrow, that type of stuff, you know, so it's, again, it's always a balance and it's just kind of figuring out what works for your family while still trying to, again, just encourage the variety and the exposure to the various different things. Are there any good resources that you recommend to your, your parent clients that are sort of kitchen must-haves with regard to, you know, helping your kids eat better, helping you eat better, like specific to, you know, kids' nutrition, like recipes, smoothie recipes, ways to introduce more foods, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, since I'm only just getting into it, I would love to say, I've got this perfect resource right here for you, you know, that I created. But I will interject and say your blog is phenomenal. And oh, thank you. <laughs> you go on and check out RaisingNutrition.com because I really, um, I've been enjoying the last couple of days reading your blog posts. They're very good. They're very science-based, um, which oh, I appreciate, but also anecdotal in nature. And, and um, so it's, it, it is a great resource for people and will continue to be, I'm sure of that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that tremendously. Um, and if you've been on the site, then you know that um, I've done a couple of review posts um, on a couple of different books. And so there are two resources that I really do recommend. Um, I wouldn't post a review of something that I thought was terrible. <laughs> so, um, you know, in my own journey of figuring out how the heck to feed my own kid when he came out, um, you know, I found, cause you know, my son was born right before we did our comprehensive exam. That's for right. <laughs> yeah. I, literally, they scheduled the exam for my due date. I was like, guys, I am not traveling to Connecticut on my yes. due date. We're going to have to arrange something else. Um, so, you know, I had a, a you know, one month old when I got my degree in the mail. So, um, you know, I said, okay, you know, all of this theory and stuff is awesome, but now I've got this little being. What do I do with him? Mm-hmm. Like, legitimately what 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 do I do like there's there's like schedules like to to go like he's got a nap schedule he's got a feeding schedule like how do I what and then oh god when I start feeding him actual foods like what do I do so you know I needed kind of the the practical side not just the theory and the nutrients side right so I said okay well well where am I going to look and there were a couple of names that I knew and um this one book was such a big resource for me and it was the first review post actually that I did on the blog as well it's called Fearless Feeding by Jill Castle and Marianne Jacobson phenomenal book um it goes through uh all the different ages so you know obviously kids start with a completely liquid diet uh you know whether it's nursing formula whatever um and then somewhere between four, six months, they start transitioning um, to, you know, including complementary foods. And it goes through kind of the process of how to do it. Um, but what I love about the book is that it's not just the practicalities of the logistics of the house. It's also like the why 
behind eating and, and how we feed as well. So it's not just the what, like, you know, oh, here's how to make a carrot puree. Yeah. You know, it's also how to introduce it, how to, you know, get those 10 to 12 exposures, how to approach it, things to say versus things not to say, you know, in terms of, you know, getting them again to, to start trying to listen to their bodies, even though obviously they're so young too. But again, it's instilling that that mindset and that approach from a young age. And so I adore that book tremendously. I still use it. Um, it actually goes all the way up through school age and teenage years and then deals with um, some of the issues that pop up later, you know, when kids are teenagers, you know, things like, you know, if your 12 year old starts, you know, thinking she's fat and listening to her friends and all of that type of stuff. So um, I haven't gotten to those chapters yet because my son's only two, but, um, you know, so it's, it's, but it's a, it's a reference. It's in my kitchen and I look at it all the time. There's like really handy charts in there. So I, I love that book. I think it's a fantastic resource. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely recommend it. You said it's called fearless feeding. Is that correct? Yep. Perfect. I'll put a link below and, um, a couple more questions for you, yep. um, that I'd like to finish off with for my guests. And, um, I think the first is what are some failures that have uh, that you've experienced in your time that have set you up for success later on? Oh, that is such a great and deep question. I love it. Um, failures. Let's see, because it's interesting in the way that I coach, and I've I've learned pretty much all of my coaching from Georgie. She's been, she was my mentor since before I did my program, um, you know, the, the Bridgeport program. I mean, I've learned a tremendous amount from her and a lot of my approach comes from uh, her. And one of the things that, that she's taught me that I've implemented when uh, I'm speaking to my clients as well is that, you know, there are no failures. You know, it, it's, it's all in kind of reframing it and what you can learn from it, right? So, um, I would say that, you know, when I, you know, first started out doing this, I felt like I had zero idea what I was doing, right? Like, so, you know, you coach your first client and you're like, um, 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 uh, um, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and I'm sure some of my recommendations and the things that I said to that first client, you know, I apologize because <laughs> they were probably terrible, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you're, you're, you're learning, you're new at it. And, um, you know, yeah, but you, you learn as you go. And so you learn, you know, and, and coaching on the phone is interesting because I don't do a lot of phone coaching anymore. It's mostly online and through email. But um, when you're on the phone with somebody and you say something and you get kind of that, that silence <laughs> as a response, you get kind of that immediate feedback of like, okay, that did not work. How can I reword that differently next time? Yes. Um, and so a lot of that, a lot of that kind of trial and error <laughs> goes into um, just kind of continually learning and growing and getting better over time. And that's, that's kind of how I approach a lot of, I guess, failures in life is just what can I learn from it and keep trying. I mean, that's, I honestly can't, you know, you put me on the spot. I can't think of like, no, a you're, that's, that's a great, that's a great answer. And I probably would have answered it the exact same. And that's why, that's why we call it a practice, right? And I can't, yes. you know, I can't tell you of the hundreds and thousands of clients that I've coached over the years. And even, you know, even today, even this morning, I had a local client that I was meeting with who's, you know, he's looking to lose body fat. And we've, I've kind of taken him through what I would 
what are the logical steps in terms of exercise progression and, and nutrition progression, calorie reduction based on where it was coming from and lifestyle habits. And, you know, even, even for this guy, like he's at a point where he's kind of stagnant and, and the, the conventional things that I, that most people would respond well to are not working for him. And it really is a learning experience, continually a learning experience for me to think, okay, I got to look a little bit deeper here. We got to, you know, take a different approach because everyone's different. And, and so I, I think that's, that's spot on. Um, just keep learning and growing and, and appreciating not failures, but more opportunities to grow, if yeah, you will. Absolutely. Um, so with that, who are one or two people that you are continuing to learn from, aside from Georgie, who is an incredible resource and an incredible coach, as we all know, uh, who are one or two people or resources that you've been continuing to learn from the past couple of years? Um, well, since I've been trying to learn more and read more in the realm of, you know, the childhood, you know, raising kids, you know, realm of things, um, I've been doing most of my reading on that front. And um, like I said, it kind of started with that fearless feeding book that I recommend so highly. Um, and as an extension of that, I obviously looked up the authors and who they are and what they're about. And they do both also have their own blogs. And um, so I follow both of them, Jill Castle and Marianne Jacobson, um, both of which have their own um, websites. And I'm trying to, I think Marianne's is just her name now, MarianneJacobson.com. And Jill's, I think, has changed. It used to be just the right bite, B-Y-T-E. I don't know if it's now the same or not. Um, and then there's a couple other ones. Um, there's two RDs, Natalia, and I will butcher her last name, so I don't want to say it. It's like Stasenko. I'm sure that's wrong. Um, and then um, uh, Adina... What is her last name? But they work together on something called Feeding Bites, and that's a, okay. a really awesome free Facebook community. And they are both in there, um, you know, helping people through their their practical challenges of feeding kids and helping to raise them into healthy, you know, eaters. And they are they are also a really wonderful resource. So um, they, for the most part, I mean, they have their own website as well. But I think uh, the Facebook community might even be. Uh, a better resource for some people because they're they're in there, which is so nice because sometimes yes. you don't actually have access to, uh, you know, the the experts behind the scenes, you know. So, um, so yeah. So those are the people that I've kind of been reading from and learning from, and they're they're wonderful. Perfect. Uh, I think that those Facebook groups are are like you said the best because mm -hmm. you have access to the coaches, but even better is you have access to other people that are struggling with the same things. And so yes. who've been down the same road, have experienced what you've experienced and you can see their answers. And oftentimes it, it completely eliminates the need for the expert because everyone that you're surrounding yourself with in the community is an expert to some degree or has experienced something similar. So I would highly suggest, um, we'll, we'll provide a, a link um, yeah. to that. Uh, so that people can check it out. Any other advice for parents with regard to their own nutrition or as it applies to their kids' nutrition, Kara? I would just say that setting the example that you want to set is kind of like the, the mindset and the approach that I try to embody myself and try to encourage, you know, on my blog. It's, you know, if, if you eat the way that you want your kids to eat and you you lead by that example and you kind of embody that approach i mean kids 
kids watch what we do like little hawks. I mean, they're adorable, but they do. They, they, they learn more from watching us mm -hmm. than from us telling them stuff. And so, you know, the importance of sitting down to a family meal, though obviously I realize that the logistics don't always work out for everybody, but as often as you can, to sit and eat with your kids and eat the same foods with your kids and, and you know, show them that you're eating the broccoli. You're not just trying to make them eat the broccoli while you are over here with a hamburger, you know, that type of thing. Leading by example is, is such a powerful and, you know, underappreciated piece of the puzzle. That's it. That's yeah. it. You know, we say it over and over again, but, but truly, if you're trying to change your own life mm -hmm. and, and by virtue changing your children's life, what better way to do it than, you know, as you're improving your nutrition habits, your kids are going to see that. And yeah. their nutrition is going to be, their health is going to be a reflection of what you're instilling. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, really, that's really great. Kara, where can people find more about you? Um, probably the best place for me is my website, raisingnutrition.com. Um, it has obviously a Facebook page along with that. It's just Raising Nutrition. Uh, Cara Butel, I think, is on there as well. Um, and then obviously the coaching that I currently do, because I, I don't currently coach through my own website. Um, I'm working on the course that uh, we talked about. But um, in terms of coaching, that's through a one by one nutrition, which, um, you know, uh, is with Georgie and uh, Roland and Josh. So uh, I can be found both of those places. And uh, we will provide those links below. Kara, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, it's really been a pleasure and it's been awesome to see uh, everything that you've done in the last couple years from, from the time that we graduated and you had your son and, and uh, I have a, a son just about the same age. And so I know what a, what a rocky, crazy road it's been. <laughs> and so for you to be able to do all of that, to get your master's degree in nutrition, have your little boy, start a business, coach clients, it's really, it's really remarkable. So kudos Thank to you, you for that and for how many people you're affecting in a positive way uh, along the way. And uh, so, so thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's, it's great to be able to talk to you and, and uh, get this stuff out there. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kara. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Take care.